morning, everybody. I'm back. Did you miss me? <laughs> so uh, maybe if you've, uh, if you've read the emails and checked the letters, Lauren and I went down to visit our daughter at college a few weeks ago, and um, her, we, met, we met one of her friends down at college, and then we got back, and it turns out that friend got COVID, right? So Ellie tells us, hey, Macy got COVID, and we're like, Macy... So then Ellie tested positive, and so then Cassie and Lauren and I all went in and got tested. We tested negative, but you've got to quarantine for two weeks because, you know, this virus, it can take seven to ten days to show symptoms. So it's so frustrating. Like, when you get it, you know you have it, and then you, CDC says you probably have three months of immunity at least after that. But when you don't know if you have it, it's just two weeks of, like... Do I have it? Don't I have it? And nobody wants to be around you, right? Like, there's no sympathy. People are like, oh, you might have it, huh? <laughs> See ya. So we, um, but yeah, we went two weeks, did our quarantine, and didn't get it, tested negative, didn't have symptoms. So, uh, so we're back, uh, which is really good. Um, and it's important to be careful. It's important to look out for people and, and to be responsible. But it also just slows you down. Like, suddenly you're home again, you know, for a few weeks um, so I don't know if the men were here on a Tuesday night, but I taught the men from the garage, from my garage, live stream, right? Lauren taught the women from our dining room table. So it was pretty inconvenient, but it was necessary. But we are definitely very thankful to be back uh, with you this morning. A few important announcements before we get going here. Tonight, we have an outdoor praise service. It's going to be from 6 to 7.30 in the parking lot. This is meant to be uh, both a, uh, a worship service, but also an outreach service. It is not, tonight is not the same thing as the morning. So we're asking everybody to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. Hey, the Bears already won. Huh? How about that? So you don't have to worry about football. And we want you to invite somebody who maybe hasn't been back to church yet all year long. I was out talking to my neighbor yesterday. And I said, hey, we're having an outdoor praise service tomorrow at our church. You should come on out. It's going to be great. And we're gonna, uh, I'm going to share a gospel message. We're going to sing a lot of songs. And then afterwards, for those of you who want to stick around, we're going to have s'mores set up. We're not all reaching in the same bag of marshmallows. Don't worry. It's all socially distanced and set up, right? Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a section for masks if you need that. But we want you to come back and we want you to bring a friend. There are people all around you who haven't been to church since March 15th. And if you just ask them, hey, have you been back to church yet this year? No. You know, just say, hey, we're having an outdoor service tonight. Why don't you come? Six o'clock. It's going to be pretty nice out. Bring a chair. Bring a sweater if you want. But we're going to come back tonight for a praise service. After I share the gospel, we're going to sing plenty of songs. And I don't know about you, but my soul, 2020, needs to wake up and sing. How about you? Like, my soul needs to wake up and sing. And so tonight, it's going to be nice as the sun is setting. We're going to have a praise service outdoors. So please come back for that. Also, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so I'd love for you to find a way to, we've got four pastors, right, to find a way to say, I'm going to share a story of just how I've been blessed by ministry here at Anchor Payless. I'm going to write out a card, you know, take some time to actually convey my gratitude. And you know the best thing you can share with a pastor during Pastor's Appreciation Month? Here's what God's doing in my life. Here's what, you might not know this, but here's how God used you in my life. Here's what I'm thankful for because of what, what God is doing. And if you do that, then it's just going to encourage the hearts of our pastors. So in order to minimize contact, we put a box in the lobby. You can just drop a card or a gift or whatever you want in the month of October. But hey, let's lift our pastors up and encourage them this month. All right, we're going to open up our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. 
We're going to start uh, several weeks now on the armor of God. Ephesians 6 verse 10 is the introduction, but we're actually going to spend like four weeks talking about the armor of God. And one of the most famous passages in the New Testament is going to help us to figure out how to find defense in this spiritual battle, right? So Ephesians 6 verse 10. And let me begin by sharing a story from history. <clears throat> I've mentioned before that I'm really into reading these books by Bill O'Reilly. He's got this series called Killing Lincoln, Killing Jesus, Killing Ken. Has anybody read any of those books by Bill O'Reilly before? So there's one called Killing Crazy Horse. And he shares this story uh, in his book that I'm going to summarize for you. Uh, it was the early 1800s and war raged on the frontier between settlers and tribal Indians in the newly formed United States of America. And on the morning of August 30th, 1813, nearly a thousand men, Indians, were hidden all around Fort Mims, Alabama, planning their attack. The 600 settlers inside didn't know that an attack was imminent, but they had been warned. And it was just before lunch, they were getting ready, but Major Richard Bailey was preparing for one important order of business before lunch. You see, a servant had come back the day before and started announcing that he had seen Indians in the woods. And for disturbing the peace, he was going to receive a hundred lashes before lunch because of the panic that he caused. That same morning, a farmer rode up into the fort and said, Get ready, Indians are in the woods. And Major Bailey ordered the man arrested for disturbing the peace. And that man turned and rode out. And he gave a warning as he left. Whether you listen to me or not, you are in peril. The Indians who were hiding in the field saw this farmer ride off. And to their amazement, the east gate of Fort Mims was left open. Was left wide open. And so they rose up. They rose up from their hiding places and they charged the fort. It was too late. <clears throat> the major noticed the Indians coming and raced to shut the gate, but he was shot dead and killed on the spot. The Creek Indians rushed through the fort, surging through the fort, and because the warnings were not heeded, the settlers were defenseless. They killed nearly everyone. They took slaves of those that remained. And it's now known as the Fort Mims Massacre. The gate was left open. The warnings went unheeded. And because of it, they were totally destroyed in the day of battle. Today, we are going to hear from God's word a clear warning about an eminent threat lurking in your life. And the Bible tells us to prepare for war. To put on the armor of God. To close every gate we have left open to our enemy. Because all of the forces of hell are assaulting us. And if we heed this warning, and if we take up our stance, well protected by the power of God, then we can stand victorious on the field of battle. Let's pray. Father, we invite you to open our eyes this morning to see what it means to put on the armor of God, to stand protected 
against all of the forces of darkness. Lord, I pray that you would show us our true peril, show us our true danger, show us the enemies we really fight, and give us wisdom to know how we can be victorious. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Ephesians 6, verse 10, here's what it says. Finally, so we've reached the kind of closing section of this book. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities and the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Hey, the first thing you can write down is this, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord. It says here, finally, be strong in the Lord. Be strong. We all want to be strong. We don't want to be wimpy, weak, right? We don't want that. We want strength. We want control. We want power. We want confidence. We want it. We want our kids to have it. We don't like weakness. But what makes us strong? Where do we find strength? We seek strength physically. We go to the gym, right? Bigger muscles, more strength, more power. We seek, seek strength emotionally. We try and get through it. We try and show others that we can take it. We seek emotional strength. We seek spiritual strength. We want to grow in our devotions. We want to learn our Bible. We want to follow Jesus. We want to be stronger. Stronger bodies, stronger minds, stronger hearts, stronger soul. We don't want to feel powerless when the crushing forces of life drive us to the brink of despair. We want strength. But the Bible says, be strong in the Lord. It doesn't just say, be strong, period. It says, be strong in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Lord refers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, meaning it's his power, not yours. It's his strength, not yours. And he's Lord, so he has all of it. And you have to go to him to get it. Be strong in the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, what on earth is the armor of God? What does that mean? Well, first of all, it's a picture. It's a picture meant to convey an important spiritual truth. So in Paul's day, of course, the Roman army was the strongest army on the planet. The nation was the greatest nation on earth. Here's a picture of the city of Rome. And what you see here is a rendition of the most glorious city, right, of the time. This is roughly what it would have been like. When you think of Bible days, don't think of people living in mud huts, uh, right, living in stone houses or whatever. This is the height of society and civilization. Rome, and they had an army, and it was a great army. And here's a picture of a centurion. And when they went off to army, when they went off to war, they were armed head to toe. Now, if that man wanted to hurt me, I would scream and run, is what I would do. <laughs> I would scream and run, because he is armed and vicious, and I am not. 
right? I am not. So this is what they would have thought when Paul wrote, put on that, put on the armor of God. It implies many things. We're in a war. We're being attacked. We need to take up a defensive posture. And the fact that it's God's armor would have immediately, to the Jewish audience, led them to think back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were many places where the Messiah was described before he arrived. And in Isaiah 59, we hear one description of the Messiah, and it's as if he is a warrior who has gone off to battle. It says in Isaiah 59, 15, the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on, listen, righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment, so they shall fear the name of the Lord. And a redeemer will come, verse 20 says, to Zion. So this idea of the Lord clothing himself with armor and wrath and going off to battle means that one of the ways we are to understand our God is he is a mighty conqueror of the foes of earth. And what exactly did Jesus conquer? Well, in Colossians 1, 13 to 14, uh, it tells us what Jesus conquered. It says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So he came to fight to free us. And then it says in Colossians 2, 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. This is such an important way to assess your relationship with God. What did Jesus come into the world to do? He suited up head to toe in the armor of God and he defeated your great foes on the field of battle, sin, death, and Satan. You have no chance against these enemies, but he came down to set you free. Sometimes when people describe their relationship with God, they talk about him like, yeah, I've just always known him. Okay, when did he set you free on the field of battle against sin, Satan, and death? What do you mean? And they don't see him as a great deliverer or a mighty warrior. How strong is his might? Jesus alone can save you from death and the power of hell. Hey, listen, if you have invited Jesus Christ to be the savior and deliverer of your soul, you have the armor of God on you. That means that you are forever protected against all the power of hell. The armor stands for the victory of Christ at the cross. So when Jesus died at the cross, he defeated the forces of darkness. How? Well, because he offered himself as a payment for sin. He died in our place. And when he rose again, Satan had nothing more to accuse us of, and he had nothing more to condemn us with. That's the victory of Christ. You're telling me on Judgment Day that Satan can't bring anything up from this life? Yes. And you're telling me that even if he wanted to, he couldn't sentence me to anything hard? Correct. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came for the victory, and his armor stands for his victory. So if you are in Christ, you are in his victory. You are surrounded by his deliverance 
And hell can't do anything more to defeat you. That's great news. So this is in putting on the armor of God. This is a command to get saved. And let me just say this. If on the great day of judgment, when you go on to the next life, you know that day's coming, right? Lauren and I were flipping through the channels last night, and kids were out at the corn maze, and so an old movie from our generation with Patrick Swayze was on called Ghost. Who remembers seeing the movie Ghost? Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. At the time, the special effects were incredible. Not so much anymore. But we're watching Patrick Swayze as a ghost, learning, to, and the theology is terrible, okay? Watching him try and fight to protect his wife, right? And, but then at the end of the movie, the ending of the movie, I don't mean to spoil it for you, but as he goes to heaven, and he's just enveloped in light. He's just enveloped in light. And, and even though it was the cheesiest thing that I've seen in a long time, it really stirred my soul, and I was like, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven. That's pretty amazing. Do you have that confidence? If the day comes and you think you are going to stand in the presence of the Almighty God on your own and tell Him how good of a job you did in this life and you don't have Christ as your armor, you won't get in. But if you have said, Jesus Christ won the victory for me at the cross, I'm suited up in that victory, then you'll get in. Because you have put on the armor of God. Now, when you put on the armor of God, you get saved. But this is not just a command to get saved. When it says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, this is an ongoing choice. Every morning you wake up, you have to clothe yourself with Christ. That can be a symbol of putting on the mindset that you are a saved person and a child of God, and so you're not going to go down the path of darkness today. That could be a symbol of you saying, I'm choosing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, right? I'm putting those things on. I'm clothing myself. I'm strengthening myself with what I know to be true about God. So you get saved in an instant, and you get the armor, and then every day you've got to remember to put it on again. So this is a vivid image of our relationship with Christ. Let me ask you this. Are you saved have you admitted once in your life that you stand defenseless before all the powers of darkness? You have no chance of getting into heaven. And Christ came down to fix that for you. If you've just assumed your whole life, we're good, me and God, we're good, then you don't know your Bible. Are you standing defenseless and has your life been just one defeat after another? And if you are saved, are you standing firm or is your strength faltering? Hey, be strong in the Lord. This is a call to not settle for defeat, to not settle for weakness, to not settle for giving in to temptation. I did it again. I did it again. I did it again. Sin, repent, repeat. Sin, repent, repeat. Woe is me. Hey, be strong in the Lord. This is a call to maturity. This is a call to victory. Be strong in the Lord. It's so important this year because we feel weak. We feel thrown off. The moment we stand up, we feel like something pushes us back over. We feel like we can't quite get our traction. We feel weak. Anyone who feels like, this is my strongest year of spiritual growth ever, I hope you get audited. I really do. I hope, I hope something else comes along so that you can, with the rest of us, have a pretty bad year. 
I'm not saying I hope they find something. I just want you to go through the agony. That's it. I mean, we, we need this. Am I right? We need this. We need to get up every day and get back in the fight. Now we're going to move on and see just who our enemy is. So be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against who? The schemes of the devil. Number two, write this down. Because we are at war with the forces of darkness. Because we are at war with the forces of darkness. I know some people think at this point, here he goes, talking about all of the devils, Satan. I mean, this is like to some people who are maybe watching online or who are even here, it's a laughable assertion that I would even claim that this devil is real. They'd be like, oh, really? Tell me about the tooth fairy. I mean, it's, it's laughable today. What I'm about to teach you is laughable today. Laughable. That's not going to stop me. It says that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So Revelation 12 makes it clear there is war in heaven. If you want to understand the nature of good and evil, you have to understand that there is a war. There are only two sides. And you start on the wrong side. We all do. It's a civil war. It's a civil war. Okay, evil didn't come here from some other world. It didn't, it's not like evil didn't come here from space. What is that? It's evil. Run. That's not where it came from. Evil came from where? It first sprang from within the bright sanctuary of heaven in the soul of God's most beautiful and most trusted angel, Lucifer. That's where evil began. That's where it was hatched. Knowing the source of evil will help us to understand the nature of the fight. Evil springs from the soul of creatures who have been designed to love what is good, but who are open to other options. And so Satan is the apex predator of your life. He is the chief villain of all villains. There's a lot of villains out there on TV and in movies, am I right? When it comes to movie villains, I've here, I grabbed a few pictures of some movie villains. We'll put that up there. Here are some of the, the worst. Oh, my goodness. If one of them showed up, I would, like I said before, scream and run. Am I right? Now, if all four of them showed up, it would be like, I'm dead. Not only am I dead, but our world is dead. Right? <clears throat> um, these villains are all pretend. Okay, they're make-believe. Some nerd in science class started doodling, okay? <laughs> Dr. Doom. Wow, that's a great cartoon. Uh, they are fake. They are pretend. And they are no threat to you. But listen, Satan is real, okay? He's real, and he's roaming this world right now. His servants are real. They're roaming this world right now. They're here right now. Right now. It's real. 
Who is Satan? He was an angel. So imagine it being so beautiful that they put him on the cover of every magazine. Better than Brad Pitt in his prime. And he was so good that he can tell tales of when he actually served in God's presence and did a lot of good for the world early on. He knows more about God and his glory than most people ever will. Most. And he decided at some point that he could actually give you an upgrade. He can give our whole world an upgrade because he took good notes and now he can actually do a better job of ruling this universe and of ruling you. And he knows everything you really want and everything you really need. And he can deliver. And he can deliver faster than God on what you most want. But his heart is black and he will steal you. And then he will use you. And then he will bind you and he will mock you. And then one day he will find permanent delight that you share his fiery fate with him forever because you foolishly fell for him. That's our enemy. That's Satan. And how powerful is Satan? Why is he the worst villain of all? I mean, I can think of some worse things than what I know about Satan. Uh, incorrect. <clears throat> when it comes to you personally, think of what happened in the book of Job when Satan left God's presence with permission to destroy Job's life. He needs permission. Satan left with permission. He's smart enough to know to follow the rules. Some demons weren't. Satan left God's presence with permission to destroy God, Job's life. And he was able to coordinate two raiding parties from different nations, a massive storm to kill all of Job's livestock, all of Job's servants, and all of Job's children, except four remaining servants who then arrived at Job's house at precisely the same time to deliver the catastrophic report. Satan did that. Listen, I want, listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. If Satan had permission, tomorrow morning you could be out for a walk. Phone rings, job gone. Phone rings, house burned down. Phone rings, car stolen. Phone rings, all of your children are dead. And you can do nothing to stop him. You are defenseless against the prince of darkness. You need God's armor. And it's about to get worse. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, who are they? These are fallen angels in the spiritual realm, allies of Satan, who have authority to influence and direct the affairs of the whole world around you, including power over nature, power over government, power over false religions, power over disease. 
Now we're in big trouble. You're telling me <laughs> that there are many cloaked other dimensional adversaries aiming their power at my heart, my family, my church, and my world? Yes. Yes. We don't wrestle, that's a war, that's a battle, against flesh and blood. That means that the fights that we have, the, the things that we have in this life that are real, we do have problems in this world. In this world, you will have trouble, right? But that's not the source of it all. There's spiritual warfare in the heavenlies that spills into our realm. So does that just mean we're puppets? No. We don't understand how this works, but the spiritual realm somehow parallels our realm and permeates our realm and pollutes our realm and perfects our realm. And it would be a mistake to think that the spiritual realm is out there because you are both a spiritual and a physical being. You're living in both realms right now. And therefore, you can be harassed spiritually. You can be possessed spiritually if you're not a Christian. You can be tempted in the spirit, in your soul, because we live in both realms simultaneously. So are you aware of your peril without the mighty presence of Jesus surrounding you? And do you realize earth doesn't stand a chance? The rulers of this world, no chance in this present darkness. Verse 13, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. I think I will. I think I will. I think I will. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. The evil day focuses in on a period of intense temptation. It could be the evil day, the day of the Lord, meaning the coming, right? It could be the coming day when everything culminates in the tribulation, but it, it more likely means in this present darkness, meaning every day. So number three, write this down. Stand firm in all the armor of God. Number one, be strong in the Lord. Number two, because we're at war with the forces of darkness. Number three, stand firm in all the armor of God. Put it on, keep it on, and stand firm. We need his armor. Your kids need his armor. And I've got good news for you. The second point was intended to terrify you. I hope it did. I really hope it did. It should. It should. The third point is meant to truly, truly encourage you. If you put on the armor of God as commanded and take up a defensive posture, you can stand firm. Hey, I know when I look around and see the destructive power of sin and Satan in the world and in the church, I'm tempted to lose heart. I'm tempted to believe the enemy is stronger. To conclude, we're defeated. When I read about the carnage in history and the corruption in society, the shamelessness in entertainment, the compromise, the cowardice in the church, I'm tempted to think the enemy is stronger. We are no match, and we are no match. That's why we have to put it on, and having done all, verse 13, stand firm. That's why we have to stand firm. You know, as I was reading through these passages and reflecting on all of this, it's terrifying to realize that you have ultimately no control over the powers that be in the spiritual realm. None. But there are stories in the Bible that show just how much stronger God is 
than our enemy. I remember a story in Acts 19 where at the height of Paul's ministry in Ephesus, he was doing extraordinary miracles. Listen, not just miracles, mega miracles. What's a mega miracle? Like, God was so with him, and the power was so around him, that things happened in Ephesus that didn't happen anywhere else. And listen, that don't happen today. Important point, that don't happen today. And it said in Acts 19 that Paul could just hand off a handkerchief or an apron to a servant who could then run off and cast out demons. One demon is strong enough to rip your arm off. And the thought of... I'm going to act this out here. So I brought a little apron here. So my, my daughter Ellie used to work at Menards. And so I brought her Menards apron. Still got her little name tag on here. And so I'm imagining Paul, you know, the, he's busy, he's busy. <clears throat> and in Ephesus, I'm imagining the demons are getting ready for their day, and they're like, Paul's busy! Let's do some damage! He can't get to us! And then Paul's like, here, put my apron on and take my hanky and, and go get him." And so I'm imagining these demons, right? And then, and then who shows up? <laughs> Get ready to rumble! Because I'm here! Yeah! And they're like, run! It's Paul's apron! You're right, it is. And don't come back. And this, this worked. This worked. Hiya! Listen, listen. Who's stronger here? All right, who's stronger here? God humiliates our foes, our vicious. God humiliates with a hanky. And if God gave the command, which he won't, right, your laundry could get rid of them, all right? This was a very exceptional thing, and I don't want you to draw the wrong conclusions. This is meant to show you just how much stronger God is than our enemy. But what do we do with that? We don't order magical items from a TV preacher. No, we don't do that. What do we do? We realize that we can stand firm. They can't win when we've got the armor of God on. They're already defeated. They lost we won. They keep fighting. And it's only going to lead to further embarrassment for them. We have to stand firm. This was the faith David brought into battle against Goliath. You come at me with sword and spear. I come at you in the name of the Lord my God. And I'm going to cut off your head today. That, that is the battle cry of someone who knows the power of God. Do you know the power of God? Are you shaking in your boots? Are you retreating? Are you defeated? Are you feeling weak? Are you worried that you're going to somehow lose this? You are a soldier in the army of the Lord. Where's your fight? Where's your fight? We don't retreat. We don't back down. We don't surrender. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. He will flee from you. I don't know what you're fighting for. Are you fighting for your marriage? We don't retreat. We don't quit. We don't back down. We don't surrender. 
Is it a fight for your children? We don't give up. We don't lose ground. He hits you, you hit back. What did you expect? This isn't ping pong. This is a war. And the word of God prepared you for it. Hey, are you frankly in a fight for your own faith? Discouraged and doubtful? Tempted to just throw your hands up and walk away from it all? Uh, Put the white flag away because we don't retreat. We don't back down. We don't quit. We don't walk away. We have won the war. And I don't know where you're at right now, but you you need to stand up and draw your sword and, and swing for the throat. God wants us to stand firm in all the power of God. What a challenge. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Father in heaven, we lift this passage up to you and pray that you would strengthen our souls. We need your strength. We need your strength. We are helpless. We are defenseless if we stand alone. But Jesus, when you surround us with your presence, when you give us your strength and your power, no weapon formed against us will prevail. Praise you, Jesus, for the great promises of God. No matter how weak we feel, no matter how vulnerable we feel, greater are those who are with us than those who are with him. We pray that you would open our eyes to see the very hills are full of chariots of fire. Oh, Lord, you have a great army. We pray that you would show us, Lord, that the victory is already ours in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would show us, Jesus, that you are the Lord. And at the cross, you defeated sin. You defeated Satan. You defeated death forever. May we all put on the power of that truth and walk in it every day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.